Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. John, how you doing? Doing great. I can't. I I feel like I need to go back in time though, and. Uh, figure out and take this book back with me, this Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success, because I've started up a few businesses and some of them have worked wonderfully, but I could have been, I think I could have been spared some pain, especially with the running store that I started on Columbus Avenue next to the Haagen-Dazs store in 1977. <laughs> but 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 I digress. Go ahead, Gil. So, so our, our, guest, guest our guest this week is Sean Castrina. He is the author of Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success, among other books. Uh, he also has two podcasts, a weekly podcast, uh, The 10-Minute Entrepreneur, and a daily podcast, The One-Minute Entrepreneur. Uh, and you can check all of those out. Uh, links to, to where to catch up with him are in the show notes. But but what he really does in this interview and what he does in his books is he breaks down... Like, you, you know how... You know how bad the odds are of creating a business that lasts even ten years? Yeah, and I didn't beat them. No, it's 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 ninety three percent of businesses fail in the first ten years. Is that right? Ninety three percent. So you actually in the first ten, they take it all the way out to ten years. Yeah, in huh? the first wow. year, it's over half. Okay. So getting or, or the first two years, it's over half. So getting through the first two years, you've 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 made it to the top half of all businesses in the world. And then uh, 10 years, if you can make it past the 10-year mark, you're in the top 7%. It's, and we're also talking about, you know, if, if you want to start a small business, you know, yeah. on, on Etsy or at home doing, right. you know, all that. But if you, wanted to, if you wanted to get going, to get legs, to be scalable at, at all, that's, that's the thing. And so he, he takes us through in this interview and in the book, but uh, in this interview particularly, how to choose what business to get into. Oh, wow. Um, why, Just wh- tell me. <laughs> well, so you've you got to find the niche. It's, it shouldn't yeah, be something you're yeah, passionate yeah. about. It's, yeah. It should be something. And you have to have an unwavering energy. And that's yeah, the thing that we sure. keep coming, going back and forth on in the interview. Because I, I still don't understand why, how you find the energy for something when you're not passionate about it. Um, but he's like, you just gotta, you just gotta have the energy. <laughs> that's his, that's his takeaway. So, um, yeah, he's going to talk about exactly how to make it through those first couple of years of business, um, and, and, and let you survive and make it to that top half. And then hopefully, uh, give you the skills to make it through the first, the first 10 years. But, but one of the other things we talk about too, is why everybody's an entrepreneur now. Entrepreneur used to be an insult. You know, your dad. Yeah, you can't do anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your dad would have said yeah, entrepreneur yeah, was, yeah, yeah. was, was a no-go, but now yeah. everybody has to be an entrepreneur. You know, and that's we have we have companies that 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 uh, that get people to work for basically uh, as part time contractors because they call yeah. them entrepreneurs. Yeah, but that's it's it's built into our DNA now, and it's it's a big deal. And and uh, so he's going to tell you, tell you how to do it. I love it. I love it. And, and you know, I have to I have to say that uh, you know one of you know, you know I love following uh, Lin Manuel Miranda who created yes. uh, Hamilton and a bunch of other stuff. And I, I remember him giving. He's an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, he yeah, he's also done that thing. The what do they call it? The five things. Or did he get that yet? Uh, he's a he, he got. No? Oh no, he has. He doesn't have the Oscar yet. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know if he has an Emmy. He's definitely got a Tony. So I remember him saying it. I think he he was speaking at uh, at a commencement address, and and he got really tough. You know, he's almost like Jordan Peterson tough. If you guys have ever seen Jordan Peterson, where he's like, listen. He said, you can be as passionate and as goal oriented as as you want, but in order to be successful. You're you're gonna you're, you're gonna lose your friends. You're gonna lose your family. I mean, he was really just right. Me, meaning that it's just so everybody else wants to. If you come up with a great idea, just understand that somebody else has already come up with that idea. Yeah. And if you can outwork them, then maybe you'll survive as a business. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a that's a big part of it. I love that's it. I can't part. I can't wait for uh, Sean for Sean Castrina. Yeah. Uh, nice Italian guy. Uh, hey, well, I want to before we get to this, I want to talk about something that's happening and. And now, because of this, 
because we were talking about this on the radio show, Gabe, because of this, I am now, uh, and I order a lot of food, because Connie, yeah. Connie's a great cook, but you know, when we get really busy, it's like, okay, I usually, it's usually Uber Eats, I haven't tried Postmates yet, I have tried, I have tried Grubhub and DoorDash, but now they're saying that, that we need to look carefully at our food before taking a bite, because there have been more and more reports of delivery drivers helping themselves to their customers' food. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, one driver was uh, on on the uh, on the blog was bragging about eating a full rack of ribs. <laughs> Most of them just take like one egg roll and stuff like that. Yeah, and of course it's not all all the drivers out right. there, but they're saying it's the the um, these people who run these apps and delivery services are having a problem with their drivers. Well, look. So it used to be that the peop- the delivery guy worked for tips for the restaurant that right. you ordered from. Yeah. Right. So yeah. You, you're you're ordering from Kung Pao King. The guy's an employee of Kung Pao King. You're ordering from Pizza Hut. Right, right. The guy's an employee of Pizza Hut. Right. Comes to your door. Right. So there was a there was a certain amount of hey, I'm the customer. You're the business provider, and there was an accountability with the business itself. Sure. That's kind of gone. These are all independent contractors working for a third party that yeah, delivers yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah. So they don't have any skin in that game. They, they don't. Yeah. So so and and while I, I agree with you, ninety nine percent of the people yep. that are doing this yeah. are doing a fantastic job. I've had great interactions with them. But like just the other day, uh, I'm 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 rebuilding my kitchen, and uh, I have a buddy of mine helping me. And so I I in exchange for helping. I buy him all the food and beer he wants while he's working on the house. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I was ordering- He's a big boy, too. That he must is. be expensive. It is. It's, uh, <laughs> it might have been cheaper to just get, uh, get a crew in there. But the, uh, so the, I, I order from one of the services, and literally like three minutes after the person picks up my order, it says, oh, so-and-so, pick, Chris picked up your, picked right, up your order right, from right. Uh, the Wagga Bowl. Uh-huh. Right? So uh, all of a sudden, it says, uh, Chris doesn't want to deliver to you. And they cancel. They cancel my order. Yeah, I've had that happen. So I'm yeah. like, but so I call and I go, why? And yeah. the, and the person said, uh, oh, give me a minute, let me put you on hold. Oh he yeah. Comes back, comes uh, back and says uh, and says, uh, oh yeah, the the driver uh, said he didn't want to deliver. It's like, yeah, but why? <laughs> so point being, I'm sure Chris ran away with my beef bowl. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. I think like I think yeah, at a yeah. certain like that's the that's the downside to the third party system. Right, the yeah. downside yeah. to having these these ultra convenient things. The other thing is that they rate you and you rate them. So, like, if I'm late to come out to the curb to go grab my food, all of a sudden I'm the jerk and I yeah. get one star. Nobody yeah. will deliver to me anymore. Right. Right. I'm not the customer anymore. Yeah. it's like this That's weird walking on eggshells thing. Yeah. And uh, and also, you know, you're gonna eat a couple of my meatballs. <laughs> Couple of garlic. Oh, this order. Does this soup not come with bread? And the guy's got like crumbs all over his face. I guess not. I guess there's no bread. <laughs> I can't believe we're even talking about this. I just remember, you know, I've I've, I've been you know, looking back at my my childhood as I try and slog through this this book, and and I and I'm thinking, wait a second, there was no fast food. No, there in the, in the nineteen late 1950s and early 60s, there was no fast food. In fact, the only food was was really the the uh, the uh, Chinese palace, right. And but they didn't they didn't even deliver you had to go there right right so there so, were there were like steakhouses uh, right and oh, yes, then, yes, and, yes yes and like yes, the, where yes. you would go for and like diners, business dinners diners yeah diners were were the sort of quick food but even a diner nowadays is a sit down meal in a way that it that no other food is like look at the big chains now nobody's the diner is like a whole experience that's a dining experience now yeah, it, it, yeah. that used to be yeah. the quick stop. Yeah. Now you know. Now it's that's oh, I don't have time for the diner. Yeah, nobody's got time for a diner. Uh, I order. I ordered uh, recently from Uber Eats, and they've they've been like ninety nine percent of the time. It's been great. But there's one one guy, his app broke or something, and it was and it, the time kept changing, like you know six fifteen, mm-hmm. six thirty, six forty five. This is when I was getting dinner for you and your family. Mm-hmm. 
And finally got to be 8 o'clock. I said, oh, my gosh, I don't even know who to call. I finally called the restaurant. I said, oh, yeah, he left like an hour and a half ago. And, and, and I'm looking on the app, and, and that's the worst thing, where you can see his car. Right, 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 right. And I, and I see it going in circles. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, so he's, he, he's got his family, <laughs> put him in the car, and he's, now he's circling yeah. to, let, to, let, to let me look at the circling. Right. Uh, and, and believe it or not, I, the, the, the restaurant was great. They, they tracked him down, and he said, oh, I'm sorry, my app broke. And they're like, why didn't you call us? So the food came, and it was cold. It was a lot of food. But fortunately, it was sushi, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> well, but they you gave, know what? It could be too warm. That's right. actually the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, they, they gave me the food for free. So it's, uh, yeah. But I, but I totally get the whole thing about, uh, about, uh, about you having the relationship with the, with the restaurant now that you don't have it anymore. Right. Well, right. yeah, again, you know, uh, maybe, I don't, maybe I don't remember that, it, that the egg roll order comes with five egg rolls. And when it shows up with four, I don't realize that that's a difference. And that's that's what the drivers are banking on when they do that. Yeah. Oh, there's, yeah. the, the, the pizza comes with garlic knots. Well, Not anymore, it doesn't. <laughs> well, we could we, we could talk forever about this, but and other stuff. We want to get to this interview. Uh, but but just listen when when somebody delivers you you know you're not for nothing. <laughs> they're they're entrepreneurs these deliveries. Yeah yeah. So make just make sure you check and make sure all your you know all, all your food is there, especially if it's food that if you got five of something, there might end up being three of something, and 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 for me. I, I don't think I would confront the driver in no, my driveway. Zero percent chance. Zero percent chance I would confront the yeah, guy. I would just yeah. be like, okay. They know where you live. Right. They yeah, know where I live. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think I would rate them poorly. I don't even <laughs> think I would. I am so. You're a chicken like, like me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, have you ever? Have you ever? And this is. I have never done this, but I. I mean, your wife in particular. Oh, sh- oh my gosh. But when you're sitting at the restaurant, it, it could be it could be the worst piece of of like corrugated cardboard that they're calling steak, yeah, yeah, and you take a bite way. of it, and it tastes absolutely terrible. The guy comes by, and goes, "How's everybody enjoying their meal? Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Thank way. you. Oh, thank you so much." And then you just kind of move it around on your plate yeah, so they don't yeah, ask follow up questions. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, I, yeah, but, yeah but Connie would. Yeah. Oh, she, she'd be like, "No, this is terrible." She you has need, her. She has her portable tester. Can I meet the sh- Can I meet the chef? Oh yeah. I, who's your yeah. food buyer? Because yeah, this yeah. this is she's Gordon but Ramsay. She, the thing is, she can get away with that stuff because she's gorgeous, right? I do something like that, and it's like uh, they, people people want want to accuse me. Of some sort of public shame. Oh, the or guy something. that wrote the NBA theme thinks he's too good yeah, for, our, yeah. for our prime rib. No, what I got, what I got. I'm sorry, we're gonna get to this interview. I promise <laughs> you're gonna have the eight unbreakable rules for business startup success. But I went to one of these places called Foot Inspiration, mm-hmm. and I went in there and uh, I got my foot feet inspired. You know, it's a, a foot massage place. It's amazing, right? And so I leave, and I and there's this kid. He's on his phone the whole time, right? It's rubbing your feet. No, no, he was just <laughs> the guy at the front desk who, you know, he was. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine a guy friend. holding a foot, holding yeah. your foot in one yeah. hand, and like yeah. checking Instagram with the other. You know, who, who, uh, uh, what, what's the guy's name that that, uh, that was the head of ABC? Is our good friend? I can't remember his name. Uh, Brian Franz. Brian Franz. So Brian and I were at a wedding, you know, and there was this guy, and he was playing, he was playing percussion. He was terrible, but his, but the other guy, the DJ, was doing was was doing great, right? And uh-huh. the, the other guy's like playing at a time and everything. So Brian just walks in in his dry thing, and he goes. He goes, yeah, you know, you know what this is? I said, what? He goes, he goes, uh, you know, Bob, the DJ, before he got out of this house, his mother said, take your idiot brother with you. <laughs> <laughs> what? Where was I right you before that? You were talking that? about getting your feet massaged Oh, yeah, so phone. anyway, that's what this guy looked like. He looked like he did. <laughs> Thank you so much for following up. Yeah, no, he said, I Look, think I paid you a picture. If you're going to open your foot massage place, you got to give your cousin a job. He needs a job. Your idiot brother. So anyway, I just love that line. It's so inappropriate. Oh, uh, that sounds like my dad, you know. Um, they used to say, he used to say to my sisters, "Take your idiot brother out." <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's there, and he, you know, he looks, he's got his, he's on his phone and everything. So I said, "Thank you very much," 
And so I, I tipped that guy. I, you know, right. I, t- I tipped the, the, the massage therapist, the foot thing, but, but I, uh, I tipped him too. I gave him for like checking Twitter for an I hour and know, a half. No, I know. I just like I, I really liked. It. I had a great time. Good fun. So, uh, I, I, I my Twitter thing dings about five minutes later, uh-huh. right? And 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 it's this guy, his picture is there, and and he says he says uh, just got tipped by a washed up TV guy. Wow. And he tagged you in it? Yes. No, I don't. No, because something happened where I must have checked Twitter or something, checked my name. Uh-huh. I don't know. But, so that, he, but, but he mentioned you. He mentioned my name. Right. Yeah. So then you're, yeah. 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 Uh, wow. I know. So I went I went back in. Oh, no, you didn't. I did. You I did. was so mad. As well, you should be. Yeah. And I, then I felt terrible because because he was gone. He was gone on, on break. You can find him at the with, break. With, at the, at with, the his idiot, with his idiot cousin. This yeah. is but this is when I started not doing anything anymore, right? <laughs> and then the boss is in there, and I showed the boss the thing. I said, "This is not very nice," and he fired the guy. Ooh, oh, I, I felt terrible. What? I felt terrible. Yeah, I felt I should have just swallowed it. Just said, "Forget it." Just, oh. yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did I, he did he tweet? Just got fired because I talked <laughs> about a washed up TV guy. <laughs> and so, like, I, I at that moment, I felt like a washed up. Angry, awful TV guy. Wait, you know. let me just say this. Look, I, I think I don't think you should have gone to the boss. <laughs> no, I think, I think you should have let it go. I, but repenting now. But I w- What kind of a jerk makes a derogatory comment to a guy who just tipped him for checking his Twitter feed for an hour? Right. That right, seems like, right, right, like right. take the W, kid, yeah, and, and move on. I, I mean, yeah. I yeah, yeah, that's that's just that's that's a bummer. Yeah, but I feel better t- since I talked about it now, and I hope yeah, you guys yeah, are still with cathartic. us. Gib, why don't you uh, introduce <laughs> the the real reason that we're here? So here here we go. In a minute, you're going to have an interview from Sean Castrina, who is he's going to give you all the info you need to be a successful entrepreneur, or at least to get yourself going on the path to successful entrepreneurship, to give your business, as he calls it, breath, a little bit of life, a pulse. Uh, but before that, we just want to, we're going to share a quick word from our sponsors. Well, it's technically from John, but it's about our sponsors at Weeder Artery Health. So right after that, Sean Castrini. Hey, it's John Tesh here to tell you about Weeder Artery Health. If you're concerned about maintaining your heart health, I urge you to check out Weeder Artery Health. It's crucial to maintain healthy and flexible arteries, and that's where Weeder Artery Health comes in. It has clinically researched key ingredients like vitamin K2, which is hard to get enough of from food alone. Weeder Artery Health uses MenaQ7 as the source of vitamin K2. It's been clinically shown to help transport calcium to your bones. Weeder Artery Health also includes an ingredient called Aronia Berry, which improves circulation and helps maintain blood pressure by keeping arteries flexible. Proper blood flow is your lifeline, and I want you to live a long and healthy life. So grab a box of Weeder Artery Health. I get mine at Costco for the best value, and you can too. Or you can visit Weeder.com. Go to Costco.com or Weeder.com for Weeder Artery Health. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Sean Castrina, you have done some insane stuff. I mean, you have you have written the eight unbreakable rules uh, for, for startup success. Uh, you uh, you have the ten minute entrepreneur podcast, the one minute entrepreneur podcast. By the way, just doing the one podcast for me is enough. I don't know how you do two. I don't know how you do a daily one. Seems a little insane to me. And I know that you are technically competition because you have another podcast. But we appreciate your time here today. Great, I'm excited to be here. Uh, we we are super excited to have you. So now your specialty is helping entrepreneurs because. What is the percentage? It's uh, in in total nine startups. Nine out of ten fail. Nine out of ten. Yeah, so nine a, out of ten. 
Yeah. 90%. I mean, there is literally, aside from slot machines at the casino, there is there is there are not a lot of things that are 90% fail rate. You have a better chance of being a doctor. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's just 9 out of 10 fail and they fail for it's, you know, it's, unfortunately they fail for fairly obvious reasons. But yeah, 9 out of 10 fail by year 10. Actually 93 out of 100. And one out of two fail in the first two years. And and wow, so so if you made it out of the first two years, you're already in the top half. Let me ask you this. You I mean, because you say fail after 10 years, you know, the, I guess the, the alternative is you either turn into Amazon or you, you know, you just kind of either run cash positive or not. And it, it, that, that seems OK with me. It's the 50 yeah. percent after two years thing where you just kind of where it's a real gut punch. But let exactly. me ask exactly. And that's where I'm probably the most helpful getting so, you to that to your point. So the reason why I think we we think entrepreneurship is better than playing blackjack, which has which has better odds. Uh, with our money is because we feel like there is a certain element of this that we can control. And uh, people like yourself are telling us that th- if we do certain things, then we will affect the outcome disproportionately. Do you, is that is that the case? Exactly. I mean, you can stack the deck in your favor. Mm. Some people are not entrepreneurs and it just, and, and I know it's going to hurt some people's feelings. My wife is an amazing nurse. She's not a very good entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. My daughter is a tremendous school teacher. She's not an entrepreneur. Yet my son, it just comes natural for him. So, you know, it, it, no question, some people it will come easier to. Um, but, you know, some people it just, you know, may never come to, truthfully. Right. I mean, there's. I think the entrepreneurial mindset is something... Gosh, how do I put this? I I feel like everybody kind of it's it's very in vogue right now, and I believe that it's very in vogue because of because of the changes in the economy. There is no more. I've said this before on on this show and 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 on the air is that the we used to have an economy where you would go and work for somebody for twenty thirty years, get a gold watch, and that entire time earn a salary that grew with with the cost of inflation, and as well as have opportunities to grow have a pension, healthcare, all that stuff. And I really feel like that's kind of gone, gone at this point. Oh, it, it is. It is gone. I mean, when somebody tells me that they have job security, I laugh at them. Right. Because and so, I say you, you, have no, you, have, you have no job security. You have job security as long as the person you're working for likes you or your company's making money. There's ways that it could be pulled out from under you. Yeah. So what that makes me think, what, that, what I think that's, I think people have kind of realized that, that there is no... Ma Bell anymore. The 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 automakers are not paying what they used to pay relative to other wages. Like we just kind of have to make, we kind of have to make our own way, and it sort of forced people to reevaluate their approach to their careers. And I think a lot of people, whether they realize it or not, have to have an entrepreneurial mindset in order to in order to thrive. So there's no real safety net anymore. There's no uh, that most entrepreneurs fail. Dude, how do we fix that? How do we become entrepreneurs that don't fail? I, I think there's, you know, I, I kind of have some unbreakable rules and I think if people follow them, I, you know, I teach a course called the, the 30 day startup that cannot fail. And the reason why I say that is because you can dramatically stack things in your favor because the reasons why they do fail are going to be fairly obvious and you're going to see that you can kind of fix them. I mean, the first one is, is that you, you need to be an entrepreneur. And I know that kind of sounds redundant. What, what do I mean by that? But I mean, if you think of certain, you know, well-known entrepreneurs, there are certain qualities that they all tend to share. They're extremely relentless. So mm-hmm. if you're a person who just has very little follow-through and you don't stick with things, you're probably going to fail at this. Mm. You know, you you have to be highly motivated to succeed. 
they're extremely competitive people that succeed in business. They have great energy level. I mean, Warren Buffett, that's one of the three qualities he likes most. You know, energy. There's no substitute for energy. They tend to be leaders. They got you have to be a leader. Somebody's got to lead the organization. So I, I always say if you can be an entrepreneur, you have a far better chance of succeeding. And, and and too many times people start with well what they think is a you know profitable idea or whatever the case may be, but they've never become an entrepreneur. Mm. So I think the first thing is becoming. I bet on people, not on business ideas. When I make an investment in a company and I bring on a partner, it, it's not because I think the business idea is that great. Because right. I can take a how I can take an average business idea and give me a great person, and we'll make that thing fly. Right, right. But you right, can right. get a great business idea with somebody who doesn't have these things and it'll fail every time. Oh man, how many people are walking around right now with these with genius ideas that would fix so much about our society that are just sitting in their heads or, or sitting in prototype phases on people's garage counters? My dad swears he has the idea he had the idea for Jiffy Lube. Yet he sits, you know, at 80 years old not as a guy who came up with Jeff, Jiffy Lube obviously. Yes, cuz people don't take action on these ideas. Mm-hmm. Well, or maybe you know, also timing I think is so important because there are plenty of ideas that that work now that were attempted like in the 90s, but the internet infrastructure wasn't there to support the concept or what have you. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question the internet has created a whole new way of doing things at, at the speed of sound. And yeah, I agree with you there. But I mean, even just even just timing the internet, it's like, you know, yeah. knowing when there was a time when streaming video was impossible, but people had the idea to put video online and it failed because nobody could stream it. Because nobody had the downline bandwidth that was necessary for it. So, I mean, and now the idea of not streaming video is insane. Everybody yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I, again, I think being the right entrepreneur, I think another thing that people really mess up when this and this falls into why so many fail initially is they, they start with passion is overrated. I'm just going to say that. And it's controversial. But how, but so how does passion it, differ from energy then if passion is overrated? Okay, let me let me explain. All right, I'm passionate about golf. Okay, okay, it does not mean I it doesn't mean I go start a driving range. Okay, I, I'm okay. Richard Branson is passionate about sailing. He does not have a boat building company. In other words, so what I say is he does know, listen, have an island start, though. So you guys, <laughs> yeah, and this is where I'm going to go with that. You start with you you, you 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 start with a business idea that's profitable, that is proven, that you have some data that says this will work, and it will pay for all your passions. I have lots of passions, mm. and my successful businesses pay for all my passions. Mm. Example: I started my business. I was in the shopping center, and on the left of me there was a train store with a guy who loved trains and anything you ever wanted to buy for trains. He had, and to the right of me was a lady who loved scrapbooking. She had everything you could ever want to scrapbook. Within six months, they were both out of business. My business, I knew very little about. I still can't do any of the things. It was a, it was a high-end home service company. I can't put together a birdhouse, three-piece, and I've made millions and millions and millions of dollars with it. It was not my passion, but I knew it was needed. So I say you start with a profitable idea, and it'll mm-hmm. pay for all your passions. But if how you do, do you it have in reverse the... order, you're, 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 you know – Passion, has, you got to start with the profitable, proven idea. You cannot start with something you're just excited about because you're passionate about it. There may not be enough people like you to support that, you know, that business in your area. Totally makes sense. Like, you, you know, a high-end dog grooming service in, in, in farm country is not the same as a high-end dog grooming service in Manhattan. Like, I understand exactly. that. Exactly. But and, and again, 
based on the fact that I want to get you, remember, I'm trying to stack the, the odds in your favor. So I'm trying to take the 50% that failed. And I'm saying, if you had a choice between the two and you only had a choice, you either had to pick an, a business you were passionate about, or you had to pick a business that had a proven potential for profit. I mean, there was a need there. Uh, other people were making money with it in other cities. Which one would you take? I'd take number B. Right. No, number B. I like it. Um, yeah. So, so, okay, fine. That's, that's, that's great, but you also said to me that that energy is one of the most important features that you're looking for, right? And energy is an innate thing. In other words, I am energetic about any. I'm energetic about this podcast we're doing. I was energetic when I woke up this morning. I'll yeah. be energetic. Energy is something you just have. You just you know you just decide every day that you're going to walk with a little bounce in your step. Your chin's going to be up. You're going to smile a little bit more. You're going to expect things to go your way. That's a mindset. Energy is a personal mindset that you choose to have. And, and I know when I walk into a room, I, people know I've got energy. I mean, it's just. You know, clients have always told me that, you know, all my business partners, when, you know, my son says, when I walk in a room, I'm like five hour energy. <laughs> so I, you know, I, when I walk around my office. So you just have that. So that has nothing necessarily to do with what business I bring energy to anything I'm involved in. That's a personal quality. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And but so but I so but but, but here they're different. No, I, I understand how they're different, like for someone like you and the innate entrepreneur. But I feel like for night for for most of us, we get the most energized about things that we're passionate about. Right? And I and I agree. And what I would say, to, like again, I love golf and I love tennis. Love I do each of them every day. And because I've been a successful entrepreneur, I have the schedule to be able to do that. So so, so I know that like the, the motivation in succeeding in the business is because I'm going to be able to get these things. I love giving a huge giver. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Succeeding as an entrepreneur allows me to do it. So it, being successful has fed all my passions. And it doesn't mean so it's kind of my point is it doesn't mean I get involved in a business I completely don't have an interest in. But if I think it can serve a need and be profitable example, I get passionate about building a team. So even though the business, let's say that business is not the most exciting thing because I don't have a giftedness in it. But when I start putting together the team and I start seeing all these super awesome players, this person is really knowledgeable. This person's an industry leader. That excites me. Building a team excites me. So I don't necessarily have to be the driving engine of that passion in that specific business. Somebody else can know can know more than I do. You know, as Andrew Carnegie said, you know, obviously the first billionaire, let's say, you know, extremely wealthy said, hey, everybody around here knows more about steel than I do. Right. But obviously, you know, he, he did pretty well at U.S. Steel, which, you know, so it worked out OK. Yeah. You don't. Have, so, again, passion. I just think too many people get blinded by passion. And, and I, I think energy is innate. And I think you can get passionate about things because a successful business will pay for those, will, will allow you to do things that you could never do if you were an employee. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that 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 makes a lot of sense. Like you said, if you're an employee, you're not you're not playing golf and tennis every single day because you've got to put in eight hours, right? Like so, there's exactly yeah. so that you know. So and again, I said that's kind of controversial to a degree. But and the other thing is, is now I move on. Like number three is that it's amazing. Like I'm not big on huge business plans. Like I've never done a business plan that was more than a front and back page of a legal pad. That's what you should like, like exactly. Absolutely, you shouldn't. But you got to understand that you got to have a plan. You know, like there is a reason why Bill Belichick and Nick Saban win a lot. You know, they plan for as many things as possible 
and they play to their strengths. So you, you, you can't just start a business without a plan. It's got to be active, flexible, but you got to have a plan. And, and it's amazing how many people start with just really very little direction in where this business is going to go. So every time they meet an obstacle, it's like something they never thought about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to kind of do a little bit of planning. And then I, I find that business owners, they start, and they don't protect themselves. They don't protect their business. I mean, they don't like they have a partnership, but they don't have a partnership agreement. I mean, golly day, even if you just write up a paragraph and you go get it notarized and signed, you know, where if this doesn't work, this is how we're going to, you know, this is how we're going to break up. Even if it's as simple as that, you got to have partnership agreements, no compete agreements. You know, mm. if you have a patent or a trademark, you've got to do some due diligence because if you don't do it, your business is going to get, it's going to get, it's going to get whacked at some point. It's going to be very expensive. <laughs> what about, so that, what about the, you know, uh, the burn your ships thing? You know, if you have a plan for how to exit the business, does that, does that get rid of the mindset of burning what, what your I ships? Would, you know, I, you know, I, Arnold Schwarzenegger has a great talk that I heard on one of the motivational things, you know, no plan B. Hey, I don't have a plan B, but I also do have an exit strategy for anything. E- example, let me just give, okay, I have a choice. I'm going to open up a retail store, let's just say for co- for conversation's sake, or a restaurant. Which is a, which are a, really, really risky businesses. Example, or, or and, and let's just say I have a chance, I have to sign an agreement, so it could be anything. It could be getting a, you know, IT service, whatever. Mm-hmm. I have a chance to sign a, I'm a startup now. I have a chance to sign a five-year agreement, let's just say for conversation's sake, at $2,000 a month. They mm-hmm. say, well, if you do this, we're going to charge you 2000 a month. And I go, well, listen, I would like to do it month to month. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, well, if you do that, it's going to be, you know, 2500 a month or even 3000 a month. Right. I go with the 3000 a month. I don't sign on for five years in a startup. Think pup tent, not dream home. Right. Right. So in other words, you got to use some common sense here. You know, you got to go into this nimble. You got to keep your your downside as down, you know, as as minimal as possible. Once it starts succeeding, which I'm the optimist, it's going to succeed if you do the right things. You can adjust and get, you know, and and start negotiating longer things. But I mean, to go into everything, I I mean, I see startups and they they go and they spend so much money up front. And they're so locked into so many mm-hmm. things. I'm like, man, your 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 burn rate is too much. You're, you're mm-hmm. going through cash way too quick. I just think that you, when I go into a business, I think pup tent again because I may have to move it to a new location. It may start raining, and I got to find higher ground. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case may be, I want to think nimble. I, I don't. I've, I too many. Every business I've ever started has evolved to a place where I never thought it would be five years from where. You know, when I look back five years later, I'm like, wow, I never thought we'd be doing that. In every business I've ever had, there's something I'm like, man, I never saw that coming. Mm. Mm. Never, never. So, I mean, basically, when you say pup tent, pup tent has a lot of things going for it. It's cheap. Inexpensive. It moves. It's easily movable. You can set it up anywhere. So you want to make sure that the choices that you're making, the paradigm that you're looking at your business yeah. through. So, so let's let's review. You want to think like a, you want to yeah. become an entrepreneur. High energy, high motivation, high self motivation, and a certain amount of relentlessness. Secondly, yes. you want to make sure that you are that you are choosing things that have a niche where you see a need, you fill a need. You're not just doing something you're passionate about. Because if we were exactly. doing something we were passionate about, we would be professional sitcom watchers for ninety exactly. percent of us, right? So, so, okay. So those two things. And then, and then finally, or not finally, but thirdly, you want to make sure that you're keeping your situation as nimble as possible. 
Yeah, you want to. Your your plan is just very, you know, very able to adjust, and it's very flexible. It's very active. It's okay. it's not, you know, it's not the Ten Commandments necessarily. It's going to have some. It's going to have some addendums in it. I'm still not sure how to find that energy without the passion. I got to figure that out. So okay, so what's number okay. four? Well, let me give you passion. I just played golf this morning. I play te- every morning. I either play tennis and or golf. Now, again, I one of my companies is a high end home improvement company. I can't do anything. I understand. I, when I, nothing. But it, pay, it I, money falls on top of me, so I'm able to do all my passions. So I wake up pretty excited. <laughs> but but I understand, you know. Again, so we can look at that in a different paradigm, each of us. Yeah. Next thing, next thing is it shocks me. You know, I love. I talked about building a successful team. That is the secret to a business succeeding. Too many startups just have no talent under roof. I mean, they just. You, you gotta hire good people. Your mm. ability to recruit, your ability to recruit and retain talent will be probably more than any single decision you make will will dictate your success or failure. Your, I mean, the ability to, to when you're interviewing somebody, you have a choice of hiring somebody a lot less expensive. Yeah. And if somebody's really, really, really sharp in front of you, I'm telling you, the person who's more expensive is worth the money every time. It's the person who's not talented enough that always costs you the money. So, the, you know, look at look at Microsoft. You know, you had uh, which McCaught, uh, the guy who owns the um, uh, oh, Paul Steve Ballmer. I mean, Steve look at the, yeah, you got Paul Allen, you got Bill Gates, and you got Steve Ballmer. Well, I don't know. That's a pretty darn good startup team since 1980. Well, we know that now, but how did they know that yeah, then? They knew it. I mean, clearly Bill Gates knows how to surround himself with pretty yeah. sharp people. My point is that, that that's what entrepreneurs did. Successful ones just have an innate ability to kind of – they're good. They're talent magnets. They just they, – they attract talent. They see talent, and, and it's important. I mean, your business is only going to be as good as the people that toil inside, period. Yeah. Yeah, your greatest capital is human capital, and if everybody on your team is low line, you know they're not quite as good as what you need. You're going to be in trouble. Think about this. I always say you can't afford a one to one ratio in talent. Example: I can't just pay you know Susie to do one job in a startup. I need Susie to be able to do three jobs. Right. So I need somebody who's smart with capacity, with you know energy and and and, and expertise and all this. If I just hire somebody who can just do one thing. That's very limiting, and that's a very expensive way to have a startup. I have to create force multipliers, and the best way to do that is with talented people. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's it's so I okay. So then, but how do you how do you go through the interview process? In I, I've heard the the line hire your weaknesses, right? You want to if you're bad at scheduling, you yeah. want to hire a very meticulous person. If you're really meticulous, I, you want to hire a creative person. But how do you exactly? How do you do that? How do you figure out what those paradigms well, are? I, what I, I mean, when I interview and, and I always, even at this point where I'm not involved so much in everything in the business, I always do the final sign off. So I run one thing. I, I think you run an ad for Santa Claus. And when I say that, I say you want a fat guy with a white real beard who likes wearing red and mm-hmm. loves hanging out on December 24th. In other words, too many times we're vague. You got to say exactly. If you want a one-eyed unicorn, then run the ad and ask for a one-eyed unicorn. Mm-hmm. The re, we waste so much time. In your ad, it should be your Christmas list or whatever it is you want. Spell it out. That's number one. But number two is, is you know, when I'm interviewing somebody, and so I've done this ad and, I, and, and I've tried to make it attractive to them. I told them everything I want. And then obviously I sprinkle some things in there that I think they want. But when I'm interviewing somebody, especially in a startup where I can't pay the most, 
your ability to communicate a vision for your company is everything. Is, is is critical. everything. It is. And that's the thing. I've always asked me, why did you come work with me? I, I, I didn't know the industry. They go, you just come across like a winner. You know, I could just sense it. You had a great energy. I, I knew it was going to be fun. Yeah. I've been so fortunate to surround myself with people that just make me look really good. And it's because that idea of a team of just, you know, in that interview, I get so excited in an interview. I mean, people can say, I'm like, this is where we're going with this, is where I see it six months from now, a year from now, five years from now. I hope we're doing this. This is where I see somebody in your position. This is where I'd love to see, you know, this area grow. They get excited because I'm excited for them. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And they, they just sense it. And so it allows you to really bring on that great talent. This is my that point. That sounds like the energy we, thing again, too, man. That sounds it, it, like the energy is energy's coming energy, back. Right? It is. It is. But again, I, I'm excited about all my businesses. And I, I'm just telling you, I, I'm not they're not I'm not passionate of any of those industries. If you'd have told me coming out of college, these would have been the businesses I owned. I would have laughed at you and said, there's no chance. I'm an athlete. I, I you know, I was a college athlete, things like that. I own nothing in that realm of space or anything sports minded or, or anything like that. So my point is, you know, when you build this, you know, building a successful team, getting excited, to, you know, hiring the right people, you pay, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. That's what I say. And too many, <laughs> too many businesses try to get the least expensive candidate and say huge, huge mistake, huge mistake. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I just, I still, I I, I want to know wrestling how to, with that passion thing again. Aren't I, well, yeah, because 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 you have this innate energy, right? And the idea is to be yeah. an entrepreneur. So what do you what do you do if you're a person that is a little more laid back that doesn't have innate energy that's looking to? I I have partners like that, and, and they're low key. Yeah. But what they would, but see, I I I don't necessarily think they would necessarily be the perfect entrepreneur. But that's why I love partnerships. Maybe you need to bring on somebody very early in the company. Who can, mm -hmm. who can, you can play off of, you know, you got to have a yin and a yang. Yeah. So maybe you come across as the stable brains of the operation. Okay. That's a very valuable person. Yeah, you need the, you, you need, need the Paul for somebody else's John. Exactly. So, you know, your strength, like I know I'm a high energy guy. My business partners are much lower energy than me per se. Most of them, you know, they're really Well, smart. that's not saying much, man. <laughs> well, they, they, they would say that, you know, I'm more of the higher energy guy. They, yeah. I hire, I bring them around me. There's a yin and a yang. It, I'm just saying if you're starting your business and you kind of know you're not, you're kind of a low energy guy, as early on as you can, I would bring on somebody within your organization that can be in those interviews with you to, to create some energy with you. Two people can feed off of each other. And you, Okay, if you're interviewing somebody and you're low energy and you're not excited, you can't, even if you are excited, you can't communicate it. Who, right. Who's, who's going to work for you? Nobody, because again, when, exactly. when when you're when you're a startup, all you have is the vision, right? All you have is the vision, the and vision, and the negative odds. It, yeah, if yeah. you can't communicate it, you're done. You're never going to get that one guy who's right. unhappy with where they're working, and it's like, man, I'd, this sounds so exciting so, to me. So let's Remember, get he's back. Go home and tell his wife he's getting ready to quit his job and come work for a startup. You better you better have a little bit of salesmanship. Okay, let's go. Let's get let's get specific here for a second. So you know okay. nothing about about building. Pretend in this nothing. scenario, I am a I'm a I'm a master contractor, right? I've, I've, I'm, right. A, I'm a general contractor. I've got a lot of experience. You need you need you need to convince me to work for your company because I'm yep. the one with the building expertise. Yeah. How do you talk me into doing that? Why do I need Easy. you? you? Go ready? ahead. Yeah, do it. You ready? Hey, John, I love the fact that you're an incredible, incredible craftsman. I mean, I've seen your work. It's unbelievable. 
John, you'd fit great in our company because we need somebody like you because I don't know any of that. What you're good in is my weakness. But let me tell you what I'm really good at. I create a great customer base. Our customer base is the people that are willing to spend the money that a lot of small business guys don't get. Mm. We have this unique niche that we we have been able to attract and we feel very comfortable we can attract. And this is, you know, I'm going to bring something to the table that you you can't do. That is the key to everything is he, okay, you're great at this, you know, whatever his name is, and you're a great contractor, but I'm going to create the infrastructure within the company so you don't have to worry about any of the mm. day-to-day things. Mm. You're going to stay in your strike zone. I'm going to be behind the scenes making this thing really easy for you because I only need you to be good at one or two things. When you go to that job site, I need you to build million-dollar homes on time, and we need to make a profit. And if you do that, I promise you behind the scenes, there's going to be five customers lined up behind him waiting to do this job. That's how I sell a guy like that. That's, and then, and what you're doing is you're saying the part of the business that you hate doing is the part of the business that I will do. Absolutely. And that's worked for me for 25 years. That's, that, I mean, I, hey, look, you, you, I wish, now I wish I was an expert contractor because you just made it sound like it works for me. I love it. Exactly. I love it. You know, I have a plastic tool. I have a toolkit in my office that's all plastic tools. Like, you know, you get at a kid's store uh-huh. that my staff bought for me like 20 years ago. And they're uh-huh. like, this is the closest you should ever get to it, a tool. <laughs> That's, that's the, yes, I get, I get that. I love that. Okay. So, uh, I see the hiring, the weaknesses thing, and I see how you can, if you find the niche, if you, as, as long as you know, you can fill a need in there. I, I don't know how yeah. though you, I guess the next step for me, sorry, I, I know I'm talking yeah. in circles, yeah. here, but the next step for me that's would fine. be, would be how do I know that I can create a customer base in a world that I know nothing about? See, that goes back to number one. That's why we don't get, I mean, number two, that's why we don't get caught up so distracted on passion because we did a little bit of test marketing. In other words, we, we got to kind of prove our idea. Example, if I want to start a, um, you know, something, let's say a service company, well, I might do a valve pack to 10,000 homes to test it. You know, I'll get, I can buy a temporary phone number from them and I can run my, my offer to see if there's a market for it or I can do some digital marketing. I mean, you have to kind of test it a little bit. And to some degree, when you're interviewing people, you have to sell a big vision. I mean, you know, when Bill Gates said, I want a computer, I think there should be, you know, a computer on every home. There wasn't one at the time, but that was his vision. So sometimes you got to tell, you got to sell people on what you think can happen. Well, at that point, you had to build a special room for a computer. So, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, everything that you're excited about doesn't mean you have it right but you need to do some due diligence and kind of have a plan that this is why we think it's going to work. We've done some testing and, you know, such and such. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you do that, you know, and and that person knows that you're the one putting all the money in to start the business. So they, they naturally think that you've done a little bit of homework or you're kind of silly trying this. Right. Right. You you would think so. And And now when you first started out, obviously now you have your own capital to work with, but how do you get capital for a business that you don't have experience in? And this is the pup tent idea. For one, I never started a business for over $10,000. Wow. So if you have any level, never, never. 10000 is my pup tent. I, remember, I just want to get something breathing. What it turns into after I get a heartbeat, it, you know, it may turn into a lot of different things. But I, when you do a startup, all you're trying to do is get a pulse. Mm-hmm. Once mm-hmm. you get the pulse, then you let it kind of dr- grow from there. Again, that's the idea when people want to dream home. No, I, I just want to get it up and breathing a little bit. And then I, because it's an active, flexible business plan, I start looking, wow, I, I thought that would be profitable, but it seems like that might even be more profitable. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you kind of evolve from there. So one is I don't go in needing a ton of money. That, that's number one. Number two is I never quit my day job. Never quit. My, I've never quit a job. When I started out in, originally – 
there's 168 hours in a week. There's mm-hmm. no reason why you can't, you know, that's just the price you have to pay. I always say your family does not have to go on this journey with you all the time. You know, they shouldn't have to, you know, uh, you know, honey, I'm going to come home. I'm going to quit my job. I got this great idea. Sounds right. great in theory. doesn't go over really, really well. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to do this at night. You know, you know, you get off at four or five o'clock, you get home, you eat dinner at six o'clock. Well, you got six o'clock till midnight to work this. You still got Saturdays and Sundays. You know, you so my startups have always been either I took an advance on a you know, I used a credit card to get as many things as I can. I try not to take advances because that's the most fees, but use a car credit card for as much as I could. Mm-hmm. You know, I borrowed off of a retirement before, I've taken home equity loans before, I've taken loans from friends where I gave them a, a great return on money. Mm-hmm. And as you, you know, once you get one successful one, it's not hard to get investors. Right, 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 you know? right, right. But but even if you're new, okay, you've never started a business. Hey, if you don't have integrity and character, you're probably not going to be a successful business anyway. So if nobody will loan you money, there th- that might be saving you some heartache. Mm. In other words, you know, somebody around you, and it may take two or three people loaning you money. If you have some level of excitement about where you think business can go and you've been a pretty reliable person and they've seen a little bit of a track record in your life, somebody's going to loan you money. And if you give them a good rate of return and I'm like 10, 15%, and that's nothing for a startup. I never worried about the interest. Heck, I pay 20% return on it because if a business is successful, it's all going to be a moot point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what you don't want to give away with too many entrepreneurs make a huge mistake. They need 10 or 15 or $20,000 to start a business. And this is why if you do it my way, what you're going to need initially is going to be very minimal because you're not, there's no waste in this. So that helps. But too many people give away equity. So they need $20,000 and they got a 50% partner for the next 20 years that helped them through the first three months. Mm -hmm. Never give away equity right away. Avoid that like a plague. Give away high interest. And then, you know, try to pay it back in balloon payments, quarterly payments. I try to never pay parents principal back during the first two years. I pay them the interest. And that's why I don't mind paying a higher interest rate. So if I borrowed, let's say, you know, a hundred grand and it was 10,000, you know, 10% interest, you know, they would get an interest payment every month with the idea that they'd get a balloon payment in two years, something like that. Again, you got to guard cash like oxygen. So you want to borrow as little as possible. You want to spend as little as possible. Because those first two years, businesses go out of business because they run out of cash. Right. That's the reason, right. period. That's but, it. So, so if you guard this cash like oxygen, you, you might have a little bit of survival, in, you know, a little bit more survival in you. But that's the reason why people go with equity. I mean, we're getting really in the weeds here, but that's the reason why people yeah, go with is equity is because, is because they because they want to, they don't want to have to give that cash back in the first couple of years of the business. Like $10,000, a dollar a day is worth and, more and than a dollar tomorrow. it's a huge mistake. But but that but now, now you've got a year of now you got a yeah. year of interest payments you got to make. Okay, which is fine, but you're going to give away ownership. I, I mean, I know that, but, but, that but ownership's gonna, it's going to yeah, be long term. It, but it's not it's not it's it's not cash I, positive. But think about it. This if it's ten thousand dollars, it's not, understand my philosophy. I'm I'm the typical startup person who starts a business with under twenty thousand dollars. Right, right. We're not right, talking right. about Google or Uber. So well, even Google. I mean, Google was it. a senior project. It was you know that's how yeah. it started. It was. But eventually, you know, it sucked up capital forever. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was like feeding a dragon. The, what I'm saying is, is that you can't just give away equity. Once you give away equity, you're giving away all the pie. All right. the big right, motivation right, right. Is, is gone. So 
I'm just saying that the best way to do it is to use as little bit as money as 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 little bit of money as possible. And again, paying interest rate. And you may say, listen, for the first year, you're not getting anything. I'm right. Paying, you're going to start the payments back year two. You can adjust that, and I've done that before. But I, I've given away equity, and I regretted it every single day yeah. after I did yeah. it. So, and I would never do it again. I mean, look, if the business is going to fail, it's going to fail whether you gave the equity away or not. And if the business Absolutely. is going to succeed, at the end of the day, you're going to have to you have to deal with that. And you got this person giving you advice every month. Why are we spending money on that? Why are we spending money on that? They're not working <laughs> in the day to day. That's what happens. All they did is write a check, and you got now you got somebody giving you a prostate exam every thirty days. I don't want to hear anybody's input. Okay. You know, I mean, to some degree, you're the you're the you know you're the head bottle washer on this thing, and getting input every month from somebody who has nothing to do with the business. Trust me, that gets old quick. Okay. Okay, so let's let's get back on track here because I I, I mean I, yeah. sometimes you say stuff and I and I and I'm, I just wanna I wanna dive into that deeper. So so it's it's find a need uh, that that you have, uh, be an entrepreneur. Find a need. You don't have to worry about yeah. what you're passionate about. The most important thing is to find a business that the marketplace wants. And you mentioned exactly. a couple of a couple of real quick ways to do um, some research there. Which is uh, a value, uh, a val pack, a val digital marketing, you right? Know, something with a quick. with some sort of metric that you can use to figure Absolutely. out what, what what the engagement is on that. Uh, then next, it was um, uh, we, we had a business plan. You know, we plan for success right. and protect yourself. We got to have some type of agreements. You know, even if they're simple, if you're gonna have a partnership, you know, have a partnership agreement. Right. That that's the wise thing. And then we want to build a successful team and don't be cheap. Right. You got talent in front of you. Hire it. And next, this is where businesses really mess up. They don't spend money on advertising. Oh, yeah. Uh, this, I, this idea of, well, we're a word-of-mouth business. Listen to me. Guess what? Budweiser spends a lot of money at the Super Bowl. And the last I checked, we all know they sell beer. Okay? Yeah. A Apple knows that. You know, Everybody knows they make iPhones, but they still do spend a lot of money reminding you about it. Every successful company except maybe Costco you know, spends money on marketing. And you you got to constantly be attracting new customers. I mean that that is a definitive rule in business. You got to keep bringing on new customers. And so you know marketing is just not optional. Too many small businesses think you know well they're going to make it through Facebook or through social advertising, and it's just it's, it's not reality. You so, you have to you know you launch your business, you're always attracting customers, and then you build a brand. That's A, B, and C of a real live business. Do you feel like so when you say when you say Facebook and Instagram, you just mean organic posts? You're but exactly. but that's a great place you know, to advertise. Oh, absolutely. But my idea that you you think just within your little social network you're going to be able to run a successful right, business right, definitely right, 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 right. that gets a little bit ridiculous. That may help you in your launch, but I'm talking a long term sustainable twenty year business. That, that falls into why 93 out of 100 fail by year 10. You got to constantly be bringing on new customers. Yeah, and uh, and also and and in a way that's scalable, right? So like if you Absolutely. are if you are a, a licensed electrician, you may on word of mouth and a little bit of a of social media be able to get uh, enough clients to fill your docket every week. That makes sense. But if you want to exactly. create a scaled yeah. business. Then you're oh, right. I want to put it in another city. I want to bring on. I want to add another division. Right. right you know. Right, so right. We, I, I want to add commercial electrical. Whatever right. you to do that, you got to constantly be you know gaining new. You always got to be gaining new customers. Right. And the only right. way that I know to do that is is to have some level of marketing. And too many businesses. That's the first thing they cut. That's the number one thing when I work with small business owners. When I ask them, what are you spending on advertising? And it's so minimal. And I'm like, who? I ask them this one question: Who in your organization? 
can I go talk to spending all day, every day trying to get you new business? And they look at me real, well, well, nobody, of course. I said, well, then you ought to be spending at least the amount of one employee on that responsibility. Because without that, you don't have customers and you don't have a business. Right. I mean, if you don't have customers, it's, it all ends. Right, right. Businesses go out of business, 99.9%, they go to business for only one reason. They run out of money. They run out of money because they don't have enough customers buying from them. There right. you go. There's a one-two punch of death in business. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, so we got to advertise, and uh, and no better yeah. way to advertise than with Intelligence for Your Life on uh, podcast and radio. Uh, <laughs> and then know your numbers. Too many businesses, they you know, this idea that you're going to meet quarterly with your CPA, and they're going to tell them that how your business is doing is utterly ridiculous. You need to be maniacal about numbers. You need to know the cost to run your operation every day, every week, every month. You need to you need to guard cash like oxygen. You need to guard cash like a mother watching her kid at a playground. I mean, literally, you got to be hovering over it because it, it's it's when you start do a startup. I say it's like flying a kite compared to you know driving you know a, a battleship. A battleship just has to avoid an island or an iceberg. Right. A startup, anything can bring a startup down. So you've got to really, you know, you got to be watching your numbers and guarding that cash flow every single day. And you cannot, that's one responsibility you cannot delegate. Well, especially at the beginning when when cash, like you you keep saying, and, and it's a great point, and I don't think a lot of people think about this when they think, when they think about early business, is just how fundamental it is to be, you don't necessarily have to have, created a business that is in the black overall, but it needs to run in the black day to day. And if you don't know that it's running in the black, if you can't tell them exactly how that's going on, then you are, then then obviously you're, you're only building more red on your total bottom line. The only, the only thing in the world that is run on a deficit is the government. The government is the only thing that can get away with running on a deficit. If you're a business, you're out of business. Yeah. At some point you're going to run out of lines of, you know, lines of credit and it all dries up. Yeah. And and then my, my final piece of advice that I tell people is you just got to constantly be a learner. And that obviously fits this podcast perfectly right. and the radio show is that, you know, as a business owner, you know, you got to grow your leadership. You got to keep learning about business. None of the billionaires ever went back to school. I find this really, you know, we talk about all the ones that, you know, didn't graduate from college. But think about it. They had these incredible businesses. None of them went back to school to get an MBA. Bill Gates never went back to even get his undergrad. Right. Steve Jobs. Mark Zuckerberg, all these tremendous, you know, Steve Ballmer was getting an MBA at Stanford. He never went back mm-hmm. because you, you can learn on the fly. You can be a reader. You can surround yourself with smart people. Well, I all mean, of those I, people were perennial. They're perennial readers and perennial learners, to your point. I mean, even Mark, uh, yeah, but he, more, like Mark, Mark, um, what you call it? Mark uh, Zuckerberg? Cuban. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Mark Cuban. Okay. I mean, I mean, these are smart guys, but I'm saying you they're constantly learning. Sure. Sure. You know, this I'm saying as an entrepreneur, again, I'm trying to get the, the you know, everything in your favor. You got to be a learner. Yeah. I mean, you can't you know, you can't re- know more tomorrow than you did today. You can't be more sex- successful tomorrow if you don't know more tomorrow. And you can't know more tomorrow if you're not reading today or listening. Exactly. Or, or, so I'm just or, big on learning, whether it's a podcast, you know, right. you're going to industry uh, seminars, whatever the case may be. What I always tell people is this failure is best learned through a second hand story. Mm-hmm. I want to read about how somebody failed. I want to read about a lesson that I don't need to do personally. So if you're reading and you're spending time around other business people that have maybe made mistakes, again, I want to learn through a secondhand story. If you're not learning, growing, reading, every mistake you're going to learn firsthand and it's going to be really expensive. Right. Right. Which is just, again, the, you know, the, 
learning the, the true wisdom is learning from somebody else's failure. And that's and absolutely and, and you are hundred percent correct in that. Uh I just it's it, it's all, all of this is so if you do these things, you get the odds all in your favor. Maybe you do everything I just mentioned. Yeah. You know, you get it a little bit in your favor. I I think I can go through every one. And if you don't do it, you can see where you start with a not a profitable idea. Well, clearly that business is probably not going to succeed. Clearly, if you're an individual with no passion, drive, energy, you're, you you know, you've never, you're not competitive. You you don't have determination, you know, the ability to stick with something no matter what Well, business is probably going to fail. If yeah. you can't surround yourself with a good team, business is probably going to fail. Yeah. You don't market your business, probably going to fail. You know, mm-hmm. I can keep going. Every one of these, if you don't keep track of the cash flow, you don't, you know, know your numbers, business is going to fail. And if yeah. you're not a constant learner, it's never going to be a great company. Yeah. And I want you to build a great company. Yeah. I mean, I think so. All of these things sound really good in principle, but they require a lot of day-to-day dedication to to these concepts. I mean, that's a lot of time. Every everything successful does. Yeah. Everything worth getting requires a little bit of work. Is this learning concept? Is that why you created your podcast? Yeah, exactly, and that's why I did it in ten-minute chunks because I didn't want to overwhelm people. I typically stick with one thought pattern, and I I drill it down on you for ten minutes, and when you walk away that week, you're like, wow. And I teach stuff that I deal with in my businesses. So it's not like I wrote a book and that's all I've been teaching about for 10 years. Right. No, it's if, if I fired somebody yesterday, it's on the podcast. Like, hey, I, you know, I had to let somebody go and this is how I would have maybe done it differently. And if you've ever got to let somebody go, maybe you want to do A, B, C and D. Whatever, anything I experience within my business, it's going to be on the podcast. And I'm going to give you a firsthand view of, of how to do it, maybe the way I did it or how maybe I would do it differently. You know, there was, there's a great podcast and they turned it into a sitcom uh, that didn't go for very long, but uh, it was, it was startup by Gimlet Media and Gimlet just sold the, the he had an idea, Alex, um, Bloom, uh, I think it's Alex Bloomberg. He had this idea to create a, he was a, an NPR guy and he had an idea to create a podcast company. And so his first podcast was the story of creating a podcast company. And very recently, I think they sold for like a hundred or $200 million to, uh, to Spotify. So uh, it's another great. He did great, well. Yeah, he did. He did okay for himself. But I just, you know, yeah. I, I think that kind of because we we've talked in in these general terms, and I feel like these general terms are 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 built into the culture right now. Like people people know that businesses take a lot of effort. People know to hire their weaknesses. People know that you got to find a niche. You got to see the need that nobody else is filling. Like okay, we all kind of know that. But hearing, learning by example and listening to somebody like you go through it on a day-to-day basis, listening to you hire and fire and how you're, what your paradigm is for making those decisions. Like, I don't know about Valpax. Just that idea alone yeah. is worth the weight of this, yeah. of, of, this, of this interview, right? This idea that, oh, yeah, that's a great way to test. I to feel see. like I, I say. Go ahead. I'm giving out steak. I'm, I always joke when I start my podcast, 10 minutes, buckle up because I'm handing you steak. There's no fluff. It's exactly what you, something that you need to learn in business is in that 10 minute entrepreneur podcast. Sean Castrina is our guest today. He is the host of the 10 minute entrepreneur, the one minute entrepreneur, the eight unbreakable rules for business startup success, the fictional story, the greatest entrepreneur in the world, the tale of seven pillars, all available. I'll put links to his website where you can get that. Uh, first of all, we know obviously quite literally your time is valuable based on the conversation we've had today. So we appreciate your time, Sean. I, uh, if, if, Uh, thank you so much. If anybody wants to follow up with you, where, where can they do it aside from the website? Just go to Sean. That's the best place. SeanCastrina.com. S-E-A-N Castrina, C-A-S-T-R-I-N-A.com. Easiest way. And uh, that's the best way to reach it with reach us. 
link to the website and where to buy the books in the show notes as well yeah, as a quick... we're on all the social media platforms you know follow us on twitter obviously facebook and things of like that My, i always forget these things but we're easy to find yeah there is a connect page with all of that stuff on uh on seancastrino.com and one last thing i try to ask it to everybody what is one yeah. thing our listeners can start doing today that will make their lives a whole lot better i would say you know start reading i know that sounds crazy but no it doesn't think about one yeah, but think about this one thing. That's why I tell my, my, my son gets paid to read books. He's a teenager. He goes, but I, you make me take out the trash and empty the dishwasher. I said, no, you do that to live here. That's just a part of living mm-hmm. here. But where else can you get in like under 200 pages, somebody who knows the subject matter and is willing to share it with you in a concise form, everything they've learned in a lifetime, they give it to you in one book right. and you get the, you get, you get it. It's, yeah. it's the greatest return on investment in your life is reading. One of my That's favorite. my bet. One of my favorite my books. My best piece of advice. One of my favorite books is uh, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, just because you know he was the guy that was maybe the most. Uh, I, I jokingly say he invented Europe. I mean, he was he was one of the most prolific emperors of the Pax Romana, the time when there was peace in all of Europe, and and it's his daily diary. It's just his journal of things he thinks about stuff, and it's for me it's fascinating, and and I learn so much every time I open that book up. So I, I wholeheartedly agree. And the, the well, way... thank you again for having me on this yeah. podcast. Yeah, we appreciate you. Uh, the, and, 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 you know, we'll have to have you back on to go, to go through this again because there's so many additional details I want to go through. Great. Thank you very much. Okay, I love, I love these guests. It, you know, this is really I, – I, I signed up for Udemy.com, Udemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That thing Academy you, and you. The Academy, you Academy, yeah. And there's also uh, Icon Academy. What is it called? Khan Academy. Khan, yeah. Hey, just listen. Just go through. Th- thanks for listening to this podcast, by the way. Just go through and dip into every one of these <laughs> interviews, especially the last thirty, and 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 then we'll send you your diploma. Go ahead. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's very kind. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Special thanks to our guest Sean Castrina. Follow up with him in the show notes. Uh, if you like this show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And most of all, you just share it with a friend. Let them know if you think they want to hear this. If you want to follow up with us, John is on Facebook, facebook.com slash John Tetch. It's where we spend the most of our time. We go Facebook Live, post videos all the time, try to respond to every comment. He's also on Twitter, at John Tesh, as we mentioned earlier in the broadcast. Uh, and on Instagram, at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard, facebook.com slash Gib Gerard, at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every comment uh, and give us suggestions for who you guys want on the show. Uh, because again, this is this. you guys can program the show. You tell us who we should put on, and I'll try to get them to come on the show. Because again, we can't do this without you. So more than anything else, I just want to say uh, thank you guys so much for listening. So listen, you know, normally what you would do is Gib would do that whole thing, and then I would go in, you know, or anybody would go in, an editor would go in, and slide the music around so that it would end right at that at the point. You know, I'm, I'm always so it's a running gag. I know. But it's it, it would the music would end right after he finished talking. But a real pro can with one for the lizard part of his brain, he can listen to the music. And even when there's odd time signatures and stuff, he registers how many minutes there are. If I had that skill when I was at sports, I yeah. probably would have been Brent Musburger. You're very, you're very kind. See you next time.